Welcome to the green scene. So the the first one is actually really quite funny. So this is uh, from uh, Science Daily, I think, actually. Pretty sure it's either that or Eco Happy. Uh, anyway, a genus of 19 ferns has been named after Lady Gaga. Oh. So what's your first thought when you hear something like that? <laughs> Person that discovered the genus, genus must be a really big Lady Gaga fan. Okay. <laughs> or first Lady thing Gaga I was, suddenly I, got into... Hmm? Well, the first thing I thought of is, is like, why? I just, I, you know, because I'm like, okay. But then my question is, celebrity. why not? Okay. But uh, I think anyway, <laughs> a lot of people would be asking, why would you, you name some plants after a celebrity? But I will explain why. Here we go. Could have picked a worse, worse celebrity. So I think that's a pretty good choice. Yeah. So actually, this is what, why they've done this. So with the ferns, well, with any, any of these plants or, or newly discovered species, they're figuring, well, if we name them after celebrities, number one, there'll be some some power and money and um, uh, attraction. Advertised ferns. Attach, so I'm attached just thinking to it. about it now. <laughs> yeah. So, ba- so basically they're hoping that it gets more interest, maybe stimulates some support financially or however um, gets people talking about it. They, they want it to be uh, more out in the public eye, right? So, okay, fine. Attaching just about anything to a celebrity, like, you know, Foreman's Grill or whatever. It seems to do something, right? So I get that. Uh, in the case of Lady Gaga, she's, uh, you'll have to, I'll have to forward you the picture or whatever. So there's this one back in her really crazy days where she had the meat dresses and all this sort of weird stuff. Um, there was this one really bizarre dress. It was kind of sparkly sequin, but it was like a seafoam greenish blue thing with really high kind of shoulder pad things stuck out past her head and all this kind of stuff. Well, interestingly enough, if you look at the prothalia, which is the next stage from the spores of the fern, they look just like her dress. <laughs> okay. It's so bizarre. Like under the microscope, it was like same kind of color, same kind of shape. And I'm like, this is really weird. But anyway, uh, now which came first, chicken or egg? I don't know. But it is ironic that... Um, <laughs> this whole look thing and then now they've decided to name this genus after lady gaga and they've done this with other celebrities too so brad pitt has a a bug named after him and uh beyonce has a horsefly named after her and you might think well that's not really paying her due credit because it's like a horsefly but apparently the horsefly had a golden body and a and honey colored wings and of course her nickname's honeybee right so they figured, oh, well, that will pay her homage by naming this horsefly after. So I'm like, okay. Uh, so that was kind of funny. Anyway, so you just never know how the celebrities are going to tie into all this stuff. And then my last one. I That's kind of cool, though. It, it is kind of cool in a, in a weird way, right? Like, I mean, there's lots of celebrities. Um, I really like uh, Nathan Fillion. And he, I don't know, I don't know how they managed to lasso him in. But because he is a former Edmontonian. Uh, the, what was it? The forest, ah, can't remember the, uh, forestry association or whatever oh, they're called. They managed to last zoom right. in to do their, uh, their, uh, uh, 
advertising kind of short clip virtual core narration yeah and so he so he's doing this too and he's hilarious right going through the trees and doing this tour and everything and it's great and i'm like well it'd be great to get more celebrities on board doing these different things instead of the extreme like sure you'll see some of the maybe the animal rights activist ones or the ones that are complete vegans or something like that but it'd be nice to see people just going out there doing regular good supporting things you know so uh so yeah mm-hmm. who are we gonna get on our show then hey <laughs> possibilities are endless i heard that alanis morissette is actually quite supportive of the environment maybe we should try for her <laughs> let's do it shoot our shot see what happens yeah maybe we should do that just because uh that's one thing during covid some of these celebrities have become a little more accessible with a facebook page or whatever not that you're actually directly speaking to most of them but um, you can get a hold of somebody who represents them. So it might be interesting just, just for the heck of it. I mean, we'll probably get shot down left, right, and center, but just maybe try, see what ones we can track down and say, hey, would you like to help a little uh, local podcast here get a start? I mean, <laughs> so, no harm in trying, right? Yeah. I mean, worst they can do is either say no or just not answer you at all. So, yeah, I think we, I think we should do that. Everybody go see who they can get as long as find a celebrity as long as they haven't been connected to crime or or something terrible in some way um oh yeah and then so my last one so mel gibson is a no might might not look so good but i don't know maybe he's reformed (laughs) (laughs) debatable but that's a whole different topic um yeah so this last article is actually from the edmonton journal so it's local from july 18th of this year And this is interesting. I'm not here to pick sides or anything. I'm just here to present the information from both sides, but I find it rather interesting. So you know how they've been talking about, oh yeah, Canada is going to plant this million trees or whatever, and uh, planting trees is good for the sequestering carbon and all this kind of thing, right? So of course, Edmonton Mm -hmm. is is getting on board with this. They're planning on planting 6,000 trees, which are estimated to cost $5.4 million. And I mean, as much as I'd like that kind of coin, I got to sit there and say, okay, how does 6,000 trees cost $5.4 million? Well, apparently, if you include design, construction, and two years maintenance on said trees, that's what adds up to that $5.4 million. So when we were, first of all, when we were talking about undercharging, Apparently, we can charge a lot more if this if this is what's going to, because that's crazy, man. Yeah. Um, but the uh, the bigger part of this story is so here they figure the city's figuring they're doing a good thing, getting all these trees planted, um, supporting local, providing jobs, blah blah blah, right? And yet, some residents in at least one area, uh, in this case, it's Idlewild, I think it's called. I don't know if you've heard of that. Yes. It's kind of an interesting name. But anyway, um, so residents actually were pushing back against planting the trees in one of their pocket parks because they felt they weren't really consulted before the planting was to take place. Their side of it is the current field seems to be perfect for, you know, the kids can play field games. Uh, They like to be able to have the clear viewing. 
because if you have too many trees in there, there's too many places where creepy people can hide behind or whatever, I guess. Um, and they're all about, you know, sure, we want to bring in some wildlife, but we don't want to bring in the undesirable wildlife, which in their minds are things like the coyotes and the, the, the predator types, right? Mm-hmm. Um, they don't want to bring them in when they've got little children and small pets and that kind of stuff. Okay. And then the other part of it is the, the mess, because um, some of these trees are things like crab apples and things that will deposit seeds oh, or fruit or, or whatever, right? So that's... <laughs> That's that part of it. And, uh, of course, the other interesting thing that I noticed, they didn't seem to mention in the article, is it seems like at least a certain percentage of these trees aren't even native either. And I'm sitting there going, okay, I thought the city was trying to get on board with the whole native thing. So this kind of seems like a oxymoron or something. (laughs) It's it's probably going to be more cost effective to get stuff that isn't native than uh, than is and that's kind yeah, of yeah but when you're part. paying five yeah, point like for four million dollars like... you should get what you want to get right <laughs> anyway well, no, you have to think that the design probably cost three million yeah then... <laughs> i don't know anyway i just found it interesting that that this is coming up from both sides right uh because i'm like oh okay um so anyway i'm not i'm not judging or anything um but i just want to hear what your guys viewpoints are on this like what would you think? Do you think planting those kind of trees should make sense and they should do it anyway? Or do you think the the people in the area have uh, a point or is there somewhere in the middle or? Oh, no, like I, I agree. Like you, you have to if you're going to do a design for a spot like in a community, you definitely want to engage that community in the decision making, because if you kind of ignore them on kind of, you know, what maybe they're uh comments and concerns are for the project uh, that should factor in because they might have some insights that uh you know somebody that goes to survey and look at uh, where they want to do this kind of stuff might not understand compared to you know the people that have lived there for a little bit so i think that's one aspect of it and then yeah i think i think there is a happy medium between because you know you can't just have the community be like say no to everything and only exactly what they want i think i think at least there's some understanding within the city of Edmonton of like, they know what they're doing. They've, (laughs) they've designed things for a while. So I think they have somewhat of a good understanding, but you have to have a, I think you can have a happy medium between what the community's concerns are and what the city is looking for. And then try to kind of meet halfway and have some, you know, um, compromises uh, on both sides for uh, the project. So that's one aspect of it. The other thing is, yeah, I don't know if you really, like that seems the go-to thing is to just throw trees mm-hmm. if you want to kind of naturalize an area. <laughs> yeah. And, I'm and like, there, are, there are a lot more well, things that you can do too. Yeah, exactly. And what I'm, yeah, what I'm thinking is, yeah, like maybe make more of a like designed ecosystem or like it doesn't, I mean, if it's natural, great, because if they have all those added benefits of it being more of a natural ecosystem and what it attracts and what it actually provides for both, you know, humans and the people living around there and for animals to in. Uh, but even if you just designed it with stuff that maybe isn't totally natural, maybe you can incorporate a little bit of natural stuff and kind of ornamental, um, kind of your conventional stuff. Uh, I think that's a good way of doing it too. But um, yeah, really what I was trying to say is, yeah, maybe not doing going full hog with <laughs> trees, uh, but instead, you know, incorporating maybe some, you know, uh, flowering forbs. 
uh, and some um, grasses and some other different kinds of plants than just trees. Because I get a tree, you plant it, you maintain it, and you know it'll fill out a space. Maybe not quickly, but over time, it'll fill out a space quite well. Versus maybe some other things, maybe it doesn't fill out quite the same way that a city uh, planner wants it to. But mm-hmm. um, I think there's some added benefits to doing maybe more stuff with grass because I think with one of our talks before we talked about um, grass tends to be a better carbon sequestration uh, or a carbon sink than like a grassland. Yeah. If it's it's built right, treated right for sure. Yeah. Now, uh, obviously that's on a big scale. So maybe you won't see those same kind of effects on a smaller scale within an urban site, but who's to say you couldn't plan for something around that and try designing something similar to that then versus like everywhere else in the city where it's just trees yeah <laughs> trees to fill out a spot well, um, yeah, and, and again, actually that, kevin sorry go ahead oh i was gonna say that happy medium and i mean we sure i understand people want places for the kids to play or whatever but we also don't really want acres and acres and acres and acres of just uh commercial grass mixes and just turf because that doesn't help the environmental side of things and same thing with with the trees. Um, sure, the trees are great, but you got to be realistic, and you can't stuff that many trees into a smaller certain size area without having ramifications for that. So yeah, go somewhere in the middle. Maybe have a few um, specimen trees, and then do some other grasses and forbs and stuff around them. And so you still have some playing field for your kids. You still aren't obscuring the vision for the parents' peace of mind so they know where their kids are at or and there's not, you know, some coyote or creepy guy hiding behind a tree somewhere. Um, but you're also <laughs> working at least towards some biodiversity and some carbon sequestration instead of just having the traditional manicured, here's a soccer field, you know? Um, yeah, and yeah, I was just going to say, me and Kevin, we were out in the short park last week and driving around there we noticed that it seems like the way the what would you call sherwood park like a city town city i think yeah um anyways yeah so Sherwood park like this city planning for that just seems to be better in my opinion compared to edmonton in a lot of ways when it comes to throwing more um natural areas not to say it has to be completely everything is native and you just don't touch it. I mean, there are some spots like that, but uh, just kind of incorporating more of these kind of green area. Yeah. I guess green would be a better term for that. Just more green of these spaces. green areas yeah, yeah. versus. Well, yeah. Cause it's like, I, I'm just noticing for Edmonton. It's like th- our boulevards seem to be very, um, very designed and very particular. Yeah. And I think there is a nice way of balancing that kind of way of designing you know boulevards and these green spaces and then actual you know more <laughs> more natural or just actual green spaces when you kind of think about it that incorporates more than just you know shrubs trees and mulch around it yeah well what's in what's interesting is again i don't know for sure but just from what i see and hear it sure seems like the bigger cities um, I realize it's a bit more difficult. Uh, it's a bit more difficult because you have the infrastructure already there. So you're, so you're having to constantly do these projects and build around what's already there. 
so you don't have as much green space to start up and start with unless you're just bulldozing buildings and cement and stuff down which doesn't always make sense but um at the same time just the whole system uh like we're in parkland county and there's other counties around or like you're saying other smaller cities or towns and it seems to be a lot easier dealing with them and seeing them start to incorporate more of the native scaping, the regenerative landscaping, these green projects. Uh, whereas a lot of times the bureau bureaucratic tape that you have to deal with, with the bigger cities actually prevents you from being able to properly get these jobs done or deters people from doing them all together. Cause it's just too much of a pain. And uh, it just, perpetuates this kind of old boys mentality of well we'll just keep doing what we've been doing because that's what we've been doing and you just don't get out of that rut um i know people are talking more about the stuff now but actually getting it done it's still really difficult like the the project that um i'm working on right now with the the transed lrt um there's parts of it i mean it's great i'm i'm glad that they're even putting native plants in and this is a big project and this this will look really good as far as the native plant scene goes but at the same time all the constant red tape and everything that you have to try and get through get to where you need to go uh just it, it starts to make things either cost prohibitive or uh time prohibitive very frustrating and i can see why so many why there's such a turnover in in the companies and the individuals that are working on these kind of projects, right? So I'm hoping that over time, there's more people that get to have a voice on these projects that are the experts in the field. So instead of, uh, again, nothing against them or whatever, but instead of the construction engineers and the traditional landscapers and... um the builders and that kind of thing get more uh, people on board that have the ecology, biology, um, horticulture, whatever backgrounds so that they can provide more information so that these other groups can make better decisions instead of, you know, everybody's kind of rubbing against each other because things aren't melding or working well i don't know hopefully hopefully things will just keep keep changing and uh, it just takes time and over time it'll it'll get better but yeah in the meantime it just seems easier to work with the periphery the counties or the smaller towns and that kind of thing uh, as far as getting if you if you are into the native scaping or type of thing anyway yeah mm -hmm. so what do you think kevin I think what Don said makes sense, but it's like, I don't know. I just feel sometimes when cities hiring people, they don't hire the right people and they just, it's more about, oh, if, do you know me? Do you have connection with us? You do? Okay. Yeah. I think you can do it. Okay. I'll hire you to do it. And then look at, like you said, what, what city of Edmonton they're doing at the moment. It's just, I don't know. It's just crappy. Right. Yeah, some things so, just they just don't make sense, right? Like for the for the yeah, here here now that we're in. And it's yeah, maybe it is a, a little bit of the who you know thing, but also um, you know, like I say, they're they're used to hiring uh traditional landscapers, they're used to hiring engineers, they're used to hiring people that deal with um all the paperwork and that part of it. 
So that's kind of where they go. Um, they need to branch out more to get um, some of these other experts on their panels so that they can get more direction and how can we do this better? How can we do more or how, you know, what direction do we need to go? Um, but yeah, but squeaky wheel gets the grease, I guess. So if we just keep uh, doing things like this podcast and educating the public and uh, talking to people and developing relationships in these uh, corporations and these other businesses and in the city and that kind of thing over time, maybe there'll be a light that goes on and it will start to change because everything does take time. I mean, people generally don't like to change quickly, right? <laughs> there's, mm -hmm. there's not, not many people that are that malleable and adaptable. So it's usually things have to come out slowly over time. Right. I mean, it's like when, uh, when the microwave first came out, there's people like, Oh, I don't want to be anywhere near that because I'm going to become radioactive or it might kill me or something. Right. And then now <laughs> over time, almost every household has one and it's more commonplace. So some things just take time, but mm -hmm. I just keep trying to look at the positive side of things and realize, well, look at how far we've come. Cause even 10 years ago, you couldn't really get business or, or people to grasp these kind of ideas. Uh, people, may not have known what the term native plants even really meant and all the other things that go with it. And now the consumers are much more educated. That's one part I'm very happy about because the, the retail sector homeowners and people that are looking to purchase maybe smaller quantities, but they can actually identify different species. They know that they want a pollinator garden. They know that this is good for the environment to develop biodiversity. So if, if they're more educated than the bigger companies, they will gradually pull it all around, right? Because they outnumber them. <laughs> mm -hmm. So we will see. But yeah, I just, I thought that was quite interesting how there was the two sides of the, the residents on the one side and the city on the other. And it's not just as black and white as, hey, we have all these trees that we're going to plant. It's a good thing. Sequester carbon. Yay. And it's actually a little more complicated than that and needs a little bit more research and stuff going into it. Mm -hmm. So, and on that note, I think that's about all I have for today. Other than um, I will be at Wagner Natural Area this evening um, doing a joint nature walk with Alana from the bird store, actually, um, because... We were supposed to have it last week, and between the smoke and the the heat, uh, we ended up deciding to postpone it. So, so yeah, that should be good. Other than, um, I don't know if either of you have ever been to the Wagner Natural Area, or if you have, if you've been there in a while. Um, but normally, most of it's a, a fen kind of wetland area, and uh, right now it's dry. There's no water anywhere there, <laughs> so... That's not good. <laughs> yeah, it's been a while, I think, since I've been there. Yeah, I'm just looking at the map. I don't even know where that is. Arkeeson? Arkeeson? Yeah, it's just yeah. before Spruce Grove, just by Spru yeah. along Highway 16. Yeah. It's a really cool area, actually. It has a nice um, review. But, oh yeah, it's. I mean, it's got 16 of the 26 uh, native orchid species. It's got really diverse, cool stuff and some rare plants in there. But the thing is, is right now, um, because it's so dry, it's really hard to see much. 
And I just hope that the moisture comes back soon enough because even the native plants, if it's for a prolonged period, um, the wetland plants can't do without water forever. So I don't want them to all die either. But, uh, but yeah, there's all kinds of cool stuff there. Just dig some up and don't let anyone know we're seeing them. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, that's the thing is if I could get, if I get these collection permits, then you could go in and, and do some things to save some, some plants and, per, and perpetuate stuff, right? But that's another thing that seems to be difficult is uh, getting these permits and stuff to try and do the right thing, which then actually just promotes more of the, uh, the death, destruction, and, and then people wrongly going in and picking and stuff. So <laughs> another ir irony.